Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boy. Welcome to Top Men in Voice with Harry and Isaac. This is a Magic the Gathering podcast uh, coming to you from Yorkshire in the UK. On this podcast, we're going to discuss all things competitive magic, our approach to the game, and give our opinions on all aspects of it. So we're going to do metagame analysis um, from standard, pioneer, modern, etc. And tier lists that we will aim to be data-driven and our own personal hot takes on them. We're going to do deep dives into specific archetypes, formats and different eras of the game. And most importantly, we're going to try and improve our play and contribute to the game that we all love. Welcome to Tormenting Voice with Harry and Isaac. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 3 of Tom and Invoice. Today we've got a bit of a modern special. Um, so I'm joined as always by Harry, the regular co-host. But I'm also joined by two very enfranchised modern players. We've got Jude in the bottom right and Sam in the bottom left. And uh, we're going to talk about Sam's recent amazing placement and deck innovation that he sort of underwent that uh, sort of made some headlines. So yeah, we're going to have a, we're going to have a quick chat about that. All right, cool. Um, so I think I think the best way to sort of kick this off is to start with everyone's sort of history of modern and all that jazz. And I, I'm just going to straight out and say it. I've been playing standard, standard since I started and I don't really have any experience with modern at all. I know a few cards and that's it. So I'm going to be attempting to moderate this a little bit and... Um, just ask the questions that maybe people who don't know as much about modern would ask. Uh, but if uh, if we can get Jude first, mm-hmm. and then Sam, and then Isaac. Jude? Yeah, well, what's the question? <laughs> uh, so the question <laughs> is just, uh, can, we, can we have your like background in modern and like your sort of history of modern? Uh, yes, yeah, so... Modern, my very first modern deck was Infect. That was uh, good fun. I built it at my first GP in Liverpool with Isaac. Uh, I think, Isaac, did you build Storm yeah, at man. the same time? Yeah. Yeah, good times. But, uh, I mean, since then, I've just kind of upgraded mid-range decks. I went to Little Kidabzan, went a bit comboy with uh, Collector Company, Devoted Druid, and then I've kind of stuck with Jund. Uh, for like the past three-ish years now. Um, and that's where I'm at with Modern. Sam? <laughs> I'm sure yours is like uh, very yeah, varied. So, so, I guess same, same question to me. Yeah. yeah uh, so, uh, yeah, kind of similar. So, um, I mean, I've been playing for, for a while. I mean, I, you know, I kind of started this as a kid back in like OG Ravnica. Um, so when... Uh, you know, when Marn was like introduced, I started making decks, but they weren't really like tier decks or just kind of what I could afford. And then I guess, you know, my first proper Marn deck was, was kind of Eldrazi Tron, um, you know, back in, back in, I think 2017, it was pretty popular, um, back kind of death shadow kind of started to take over the, the, the rain started to actually become a bit of a deck. Um, and that seemed to kind of be uh, a bit of a bit of an answer to that plus it was you know it was just doing cool things playing uh you know beefy eldrazi from off the gate watch and that sort of thing uh and pretty much i've just been been playing that as my main deck for a lot of it i do have a lot of experience playing humans and uh hardened scales as well as some banned spirits as well that's always a 
uh, some good fun. Ended up taking down like uh, an RPTQ um, or yeah, yeah. I forget how those works, but like you know, there's the stages of the PPTQs, yeah. and, like RPTQs. Whatever. The first stage was doing that band spirits. Um, with Eldrazitron, I did end up winning a Pro Tour qualifier uh, back just about a year ago uh, with Jude there at GP Brussels. Um, yeah, that was a, so that was a good time. That was with uh, one spawn time and that was still, that was, you know, interesting format <laughs> at the time. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I really, I just, I grind a lot on MTGO. Uh, it's probably what I spend most of my time doing, to be honest. Um, so, you know, I, I've got a decent amount of experience with it. I mean, I think I'm all right, but you know, still, still lots to learn in a, in a new meta game. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, a lot, long and varied deck history there. I think uh, with myself, I think now I'm a bit of a modern skeptic, uh, personally. But I do, have a, I do have a history with the format. And I actually, I, in all honesty, I do I do like the format. I do love the format a lot. Um, so initially, like Jude said, I built I built Storm. Um, that was like a lot of fun to try and pilot and learn the format. Because ultimately, you know, the, this floor is pretty, pretty high. Because like, worst case scenario, like if you Storm off and you learn how to do that, then it's fairly complex. But... You know, as soon as you learn the processes of going off and you know doing storm and making optimal card selection choices with like Serum Visions and Slight Hand, and you get you get good at that, I think it's like a really good baseline. Um, after that, I moved to some uh, Grixis decks. So when Grixis was good, when like Tassiger and Germagangler were like sort of the best thing you could do in the format, which is so strange now looking back at. But played a lot of that. Um, lo- love those cards. Like love the Grixis strategies. Played Delver at the time, before people sort of realised how good Death Shadow were. Um, then transferred to Death Shadow, started playing a lot of Death Shadow, got fairly decent at Grixis Death Shadow, the old school versions of the deck without um, without Mishra's Bobble and a lot of the Bob Broken cards we're seeing now. Um, so played played a good bit of that. Uh, loved Castle of the Good Thoughtsies, and then sort of I think where where my results and success started coming was playing Blue White Control a little bit. So I think Blue White Control the best PPTQ finish of all time. I top two top four i can't really remember a small pptq in modern uh playing blue white which is quite an achievement i lost to elves twice which i later found out was a horrendous matchup but um yeah i think the, the turning point for me in modern was just sort of realizing and accepting you know you can't always do exactly what you want to do all the time you just have to try and slot in play an optimal deck and a good deck rather than trying to like force control and force fair strategies um which is where like a lot of the conflicted opinions come from from me but yeah definitely do like the format and hope for the best for it really all right so in general we've got quite a varied panel here from like me all the way to sam who seems to have been playing for a very long time and got a wealth of experience which is good um but correct me if i'm wrong as, as far as i understand it there's been some pretty significant changes to the format in terms of bands as of late yeah yep absolutely uh, Jude, do, okay. do you want to take that one? Oh, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, can do. I mean, uh, I mean, there was, I think there was five bannings recently. Like, obviously, there was uh, Tibalt's trickery from the most recent set, because that was a bit of a horrendous uh, combo <laughs> there. Just, what was then, it trying uh, to hit in modern? Well, just, uh, I'm not too sure. I never actually played Emrakul. against Deckard. Yeah, Emrakul. Emrakul was, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's pretty much Emrakul. It would run Gemstone Caverns to try to, you know... Do it turn one. You know, get 
Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. assuming that also had Simian Spirit guiding at the time as well. Yes. Yeah. And that's <laughs> now banned. Yeah. So it would just it would just play a Cascade spell, mm. then one of Tybalt Trickery, mm. and then you know, I see. Hit yeah. Cool. It was. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. So that seems like then, a good ban. Uro <laughs> <Yeah>, was banned, <laughs> which obviously Uro we, we just... covered. We covered in detail Uro in the in the like worst yeah. card. So like, yeah, I don't think anyone would disagree right. with that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, needed to go. I can't feel the dead as well. Field of the dead. That was uh, that was a, a favorite of the amulet yeah. titan decks. And so then, much value. Yeah. And then I think the last one, which is the one that sort of is Mystic Sanctuary, and that was the one that was like, yes. that was going to get me back into <laughs> yeah. the format, if anything, because that card yeah. in, in that form, like it's it's so interesting because if you look at the chasm between Mystic Sanctuary and Standard and Pioneer compared to how it is in Modern and yeah. Legacy, it's like, it's a different card. Like it's, you know, it's like yeah. a multi-faced well, card. In, <laughs> yeah, well, in Modern, it was just those cryptic command blocks that it yeah. enabled, which were rather uh, unfun to play against. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think a, a way to, to break it. It was yeah. I think they were all good bands for the format though. I, all right, so I I it's interesting. Definitely, it's interesting to see that um, essentially some standard all stars that also got banned in standard have, have recently taken taken the same path in a much bigger and more powerful format. Um, but just just in that context, after after the bans, like, do you think that you guys could sort of lay out what you think the pillars of the format are, and like just briefly speak about each sort of archetype, essentially, or or like deck choice? Well, uh, I haven't actually played much modern recently because unfortunately, it's only available really on MTG Online, uh, and I don't play much in there. I have uh, the Death and Taxes deck, which is a uh, quite quite a good deck at the moment i'd say it's uh, got some good interaction and some good game plans normally you try stoneforge mystic a bascal or one of the swords in but i think sam you you probably have a better understanding of the format right now i i have played i have played my fair share that is that is for sure um initially after the ban i saw a lot of like burn and blitz decks uh, just a lot of decks that we're trying to go, like, let's have a straightforward, proactive game plan. Try to kill your opponent pretty much as fast as you can. Um, you know, we were seeing as well some kind of, uh, you know, Omnath scape shift decks as well. I think it was kind of the decks that we're trying to use Omnath and Uro together. We're, we're kind of shifting to, to, okay, well, what else can we use this shell for? Because uh, you're still using a lot of money cards, right? Like you're, you're playing Run Six, Force Negation, Cryptic Commands, Jaces, um, you know, the, the list goes on. Um, so now that, you know, Feel the Dead was kind of their main way to, to grind out the opponent and get victory there. Um, those kind of ticked up a little bit. And I think in response to that, you started seeing, okay, a bit more blue-white control. Tron started taking over uh, Amulet Titan, um, as well as Heliod Company. Uh, but honestly, like to be honest, at, at the moment, it, it, uh, it feels very good. It feels like a lot of decks are very viable um and and really like anything can can pretty much do well i mean you've got you've got mill you've got humans uh red green mid-range kind of you know doing doing its thing um just you know a lot of varied archetypes and i think for me that's what kind of keeps me interested in modern so much i mean really you're not seeing 
any archetype take, you know, say more than, than six or 7% mm -hmm. of the metagame. If it's doing that, it's, you know, it's quite, quite a popular deck, um, you know, compared to, you know, I, I know some standard metagames can see some, some decks kind of hitting 20%, uh, you know, 25% yeah. sometimes, you know, fairly common. Um, so, you know, for me, just in terms of, the planning and the uh, deck tweaking, right? It's kind of the the forever OCD uh, sort of thing you get to do is just constantly tweak your deck. Um, so for me, like Marin's just just so fun for how diverse it is, and it feels nice to kind of have it back and not just have these like you know turn two Tibolts and turn yeah. two Embers yeah, yeah. uh, slapping. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I am a little bit guilty of doing that a bit myself with the, the, this new deck, so. Um. Yeah, I think um, I think in general, like, I had a brief discussion with Harry and we looked at Standard right now on Goldfish, and if you add up the top five decks, it's, it's like over 50%. And in modern, it's mm. like, outside of, like, Splinter Twin and, like, the truly broken things, you don't really see a metagame homogenized like that. So, ultimately, no. I think that's... Um, that's yeah. personally why I think the strategies like blue white control struggle a lot because unless you've built like the perfect seventy five, even if you're like three cards off, it, you're just not going to do well. So I think ultimately, or you'll struggle to do well rather. I think ultimately, doing things proactively um, in modern is what is going to get rewarded, which is why, you know, like looking at your deck, I could see there's like a lot of different proactive elements, and you know, there's lots of different game plans, and you have lots of game against different things depending on what part of the deck you draw. For sure. I know, uh, yeah, so Harry, I know you asked about like the pillars of the format. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, you've got your, you got your Death Shadow decks of all sorts of, uh, you know, flavors. Uh, really, it seems like you can't really go wrong with, with what colors you, you slap together there. Um, I do think there's, you know, there's a lot of decks that, that can be hayed out by either Chalice of the Void or Blood Moon. Uh, I think you could throw Force Negation into that mix as well. Um, but, you know, you, you, you do kind of have these, yeah, you, you've got this, this huge kind of mixing pot of all these varied uh, styles from big mana to graveyard decks. You know, Dredge is, is quite popular. You still have the Oops All Spells deck. Um, so, you know, because I, I think those cards got banned, in, or the Enablers, I think, got banned in, mm -hmm. in Pioneer, yeah. um, I think. Yeah, so, they did, unfortunately. Uh, you know, as well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you got the ad nauseum deck that's kind of switched up to this. Um, uh, it, it's it's like uh, uh, it's inverter. It's inverter from yeah. Pioneer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, so yeah, familiar with that. I love that, it. That deck is yeah. Uh, so you know it's pretty cool. You get some of the faster uh, ramp pieces like Pentad Prism, and uh, you know I think they play like Wishclaw Talisman and stuff. Um, um yeah it's a little strange. bit weirder but yeah. uh you know it's a effectively inverter um but you know like it it's it's interesting like i do think that all the archetypes when you kind of think about the classic archetypes of like aggro control mid-range combo um they're all very represented in, in a wide spectrum kind of across this this metagame yeah that's why i like the look of the current Good. modern yeah. format yeah that's, i think that I think um, Go on, what a, a big shift, like sort of the discussion we just had, like West for the Pillars of the Farmer, and there's so many things you listed. I think, um, you know, but before, like yeah. Faithful Saluting, like it just be, oh yeah, it's Mox Opal, it's Faithful Saluting, and it's Ancient Stirrings, and you and you play one of those, are you making a mistake? And I think in modern now, that list of like <laughs> card, cards you should play, otherwise you're making a mistake, is like 25 long. It's like, oh, you play Blood Moon, yeah. or Absolutely. Khan, or... 
uh, Force of Negation or Death Shadow or Lurus or do you know I mean the list just goes on and on and on and on and on which I think is you know it sort Absolutely. of made modern more modern like what modern was before but it's like a much more extreme extent which is you know it swings around about but personally it's like as a spectator that's great like you, you know if there was a modern proto paper proto I would not be able to like if someone said you want to bet on what deck wins it's like that no <laughs> no I don't exactly. I've got no inkling like at all yeah it's uh it's nice like i know reed duke does these kind of power rankings type thing i know modern is kind of the only one he he extends it to 15 rather than 10 deck lists for um and you know i do think that you know it does kind of speak volumes a little bit for for the format just in terms of how how diverse it is um it's, it's you know it's it's quite nice and you know you, you can you can still brew you can still uh uh see some success with some some weird lists at times so it's uh, you know, yeah, yeah you're, you're right. I, Isaac, you definitely have to have a proactive plan uh, and be kind of ready for a number of things, um, which is, you know, some people may not like that. People, you know, might not like that. You, you might have to just take some losses in, in some matchups, accept some bad matchups. But um, to be honest, it's kind of what, what keeps things a little interesting uh, in the long run for, for me anyways. Yeah. Um, so it's clear to see that there's like a, heavy emphasis on sort of diversity and and i i assume that's largely due due to the uh card pool being so so big and and also the individual card power being quite high um so there's multiple sort of plans that can work essentially um but i think you've i think you've given it a good sort of illustration that it's um it's it's still a developing format and it's not it's not just in in one set way because it's obviously changed as of as of late which is really good like the the decks you were speaking about at the beginning so like bant spirits and um tron like those kind of decks i'm familiar with but not so much the ones that you were just mentioning so there's obviously a lot going on in the format which is good um but do you do you, do you guys think that there's any particular strategies that have benefited from the recent bannings or do you think it's just sort of opened up the metagame in general and allowed everything to develop? Um, can I, I definitely think it's just, uh, sorry, go uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely think it's just, it's allowed for more decks to, uh, like come out, um, and more strategies to be, uh, usable because like, there's a lot of strategies that you just couldn't play if your opponents to like, uh, turn twoing and Emrakul or something. I mean, most decks don't have anything to do against that. But now that all these like uh, quick uh, cards, like Simian Spirit, Simian uh, Spirit card is gone, it's allowed for other strategies to come come forward. Yeah, I think I think going into it, like obviously, I I, I don't really know, but my assumptions, like obviously, it's very hard to assume because the format looks very different as it did like three months ago. Mm. But my assumptions would be like. In general, when there's not a sticking point, fair strategies like uh, blue, white, and, and Jund, traditional Jund, this is like Jude's favorite deck. I think they sometimes <laughs> struggle. Jund less so because it's more proactive, but you know, yeah. the, the field opening up basically meant blue, white control would already struggle. And then it had Mystic Sanctuary Band as well. So I think right now, in I think there's a sort of, it's probably a struggle to figure out where Force Negation fits in because ultimately that is, you know, a card that should always kick about because it is so good, so powerful. Um, well, I think with uh, blue-white control, it is uh, actually 
quite a okay deck to be playing at the moment. Um, if you look at some of the uh, recent challenges on uh, on online, there is at least a blue white control deck in most top eights. Yeah, I have seen because a shift just... towards Esper as well, which is very interesting to me. I think, um, you know, it's, it's just yeah. refining those card choices, really. And it's same, it's same with other fair decks like Jund and uh, what colours Jund should be. Like, yeah. I, I showed you some modern lists, so it's like, oh, look at this Abzan list with Luris in the sideboard. Yeah. And it looks like a normal mid-range deck. <laughs> things like, like well, Sea Rhino we... and Soul Tie and things like yeah. that. It's really interesting. Well, you've got so many card choices with Jund and it, like, it adapts. Well, the, the reason I like Jund is because it, it can adapt to a lot of the formats. Like even though Tron is quite a popular deck, that is a, a historically quite bad matchup for Tron uh, for Jund. Uh, you've there are other good decks there that are decent matchups. Like I feel like you've probably got a good matchup against the Death Shadow lists because you've got a lot of that early interaction against the deck and stuff yeah. like that. And you have like a sizing advantage as well. Like yeah, if, yeah. in traditional mid range mirrors, it's usually about who's slightly bigger. And obviously, yeah. like Jundi's literally just a slightly bigger version of it. Yeah, but yeah, no I, I think I think the position of Fedex for me was like an interesting one, looking at it like from a bird's eye view in those bands, because there's, there's no real focal point anymore. Is that sort of what you felt, Sam? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like honestly, I don't think that there's, um, you know, there's there's any real deck that's being like right this is you know the the kind of new big thing i mean i, I do know some people are, are kind of saying potentially helio company but i i do think that that's just due to like one it's not as easily hated out as by blood moon or, or chalice of the void as i kind of previously mentioned but um it has a lot of angles of attack a lot of versatility you know when people are trying to just go fast and play you know burn or uh you know prowess decks uh you know having a effectively instant speed infinite life combo uh or even just instant life gain kind of built throughout is quite nice um and you know it's got lots of tutor targets you've got uh you know that ranger captain that can find whether it's ballista to combo off or like a giver to kind of protect their things and kind of stop non-creature spells from being cast but uh overall just you know it feels like a good good kind of creature toolbox decks which uh, for me personally, I mean, I, you know, I enjoy seeing those, those decks do well. Um, it is, uh, will be interesting to see, you know, how the, the metagame develops going forward. Um, I think that, you know, that deck kind of has maybe just like a, a slight hedge type thing, but like overall, really, like it's not, uh, I don't think it's any head or shoulders, uh, above the rest, uh, type thing. If that makes sense. I think there's lots of, lots of viable strategies for sure. Awesome. Yeah, cool. All right. So I think we've given a pretty good overview of like the state of modern right now. It seems like you guys know what's going on and it also seems like it's got a direction, something's happening. But um, what we really wanted to talk about today is is your, your deck, Sam. So uh, SCG called it Naya Luca, but I don't know if you have a different name for it or anything. I mean, I like to call it Moonwalkers just because it's a fun, fun name. <laughs> All right, well, that, you know, I mean, it's your deck, so you get... And, and play... Yeah, I mean, you know, you're playing like 15 Moonwalk, or 15 Planeswalkers and, and like, you know, Blood Moon. I think this one only runs three, but yeah. I'm running four now. So I'm going to pop it on screen now so yeah, people can take a look at it. Blood Moon, Moonwalkers. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, so look, looking at the list now, like, you know, as soon as I saw the list, I was like, this is very interesting like 
because initially, you know, like we were saying, modern's supposed to be a proactive format, and there's so many things going on here. Like there's so many different plans and anomalies. You know, traditionally, from you know outside perspective, it's do one thing, but here it's like there's so many small packages built into the deck where you have so many different angles of attack, which is so interesting. So it's sort of if you had to lay out like what a plan A would be. Or either a series of plan A, or would, does that change regardless of matchup? Yeah. Like, yeah, sort of. That's yeah, just... for sure. Just kind of, yeah. So uh, plan A, I think, is is pretty much try to, you know, slam a, an, an Emrakul. Uh, you're trying to ramp via your, your early one-drop creatures, which uh, if you exile them with Luka, uh, the, the only thing bigger than that in the deck is is going to be an Emrakul. So, you're, you know, you're hitting that. So, uh, you know, it may be a little bit hypocritical of me to criticize the turn two Emrakuls when I'm slamming turn threes. But, I mean, hey, it, it is what it is. Uh, I feel like I'm doing it a bit fair. But anyway, anyways, uh, yeah, so that's essentially plan A, you know, slamming Emrakul. Uh, but you know, built into that, you've got you've got the Blood Moon plan, which shuts off so many decks from Tron to Titan to just fair mid range decks like Jun, like Shadow Variants. Um, and you know, you can if you have the ideal start, which is uh, turn one Arbor Elf into turn two, you, you know, you play a second land, play Utopia Sprawl on a forest, so now you can produce four mana on your second turn. Um, cause you can tap that for us for two mana on tap with the Arbor Elf and then, you know, uh, tap it for an additional two. Um, so with that, that lets you, you know, pretty much play a number of different powerful four drop walkers. You've got Nahiri, which is essentially backup plan to get Emrakul. It can discard it from your hand. It can take, a, uh, you know, it can exile things that have just slapped you. Uh, you know, enchantment, it can exile enchantments too, which is, um, can be relevant. Exiles a, a Heliod. Uh, from the Helid combo deck, Exiles, a Dryad of the Elysian Grove. Um, you know, it hits a fair number of things. Uh, then you've got the Karn Great Creator. To me, that's kind of the uh, one of the big changes of this deck from previous decks that have tried to slam Emrakul with, with Luka, is kind of having uh, this, you know, this Karn backup plan. Because really, you're, you're left with this, with a mix of mana. Uh, you know, you've got some some games where you've got, you know, seven, eight mana, uh, sometimes more than that. You've got other games where you're, you know, flowing around maybe four or five or six. Um, but, you know, Karn lets you kind of find the right tools and silver bullets for the amount of mana that you have and to kind of fit the situation that you're in. Uh, with modern being so diverse, having something that can just in a snap pull out those, you know, that, that kind of hate card, like, oh, I'm against Storm, I'll grab a Transphere or Dredge, Relic of Progenitus, right? Um, there's there's just so many different answers that you kind of need to have at your fingertips that Karn lets you have. Um, he also has a kind of hidden synergy with Luka that I don't know if many people know of, but if you have an artifact on the field that, say, costs one or more, uh, and you turn it into a creature with Karn, uh, Luca exiles it, um, so he can then find Emrakul, and then you can then retutor that that artifact. Uh, That's so with sick. Just got exiled. So <laughs> That's so it, sick. It's quite cool. So it's you know it it does have you know little neat synergies in it. So if it's like if I'm going for liquid metal coding play, and like all of a sudden that doesn't quite work out, well, it's like all right, well you know I can kind of back up do this. And it's not like this local mail calling. Oh, just turn it into a 15-15 uh, flying you know, spaghetti monster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
exactly exactly like it's so nice and then even if you're like right well i need to lock up my opponent with an ensnaring bridge like you know chandra can kill them with her plus one luca can eventually get there and ult and just have all your dudes slap their face um you know you can go for a walking ballista and just eventually charge that up with, with your mana like it's you know it's a little tedious but eventually you, you will get there um but you know and that it's just that sort of thing so you you end up having a lot of different plans and you know if you have this uh ideal start of the arbor elf into the you know making four mana you can then essentially go like play another ramp spell whether it's a utopia sprawl a noble hierarch birds whatever um and play a blood moon turn two and then follow that up turn three with a luca right so it's like it feels really good slamming turn two blood moon turn three emrakul it's like you know there's not a lot of decks that are really prepared to answer that mm -hmm. uh especially if it's uh you know a really off the radar uh deck type thing right so it's, yeah uh, for the most part, game one. Uh, sorry, I'll, no, you're fine. I, I was I, just going to say, like, resemble like a red green mid range deck. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's like there's so many things that individual archetypes fold to. So it's like if a turn two Blood Moon doesn't make them scoop, then the turn the Emrakul definitely oh, will. Oh. And then if if, if, exactly. if, if and if they break both of those, <laughs> up, it's like in the late game you just got fair cards. Like ultimately, you what you have. Foreshadow yeah. Torture Defiance, you have Khan to get like draw your cards from your sideboard. You can, you know, you can easily transit. If you're playing a fair game, yeah. you can, you know, it's, it's not as good as, say, Jund, but, it, you know, it does a very good Jund impression when it comes to playing a fair game. So, you know, and I think looking at this deck, the thing that stood out for me is there's so many, like, cards that are underrated in the format in general. Like, first things first, Oath of Nyssa, I think, is criminally underplayed across all the formats it's legal in, just, just personally. And then... Furthermore, Nehiri the Harbinger. Yeah, it's easy, exactly. Like, Ponder's not legal, but this card is, and it fixes your mana as well. Like, sweet. I'll put that in. And then Nehiri the Harbinger as well. Like, when that card first came out, it was, you know, when we're talking about format pillars like Monastery Swiss Spear and Death Shadow, like, that card was up there. Like, you have to have an answer for a turn for a Planeswalker if you're a fair deck, or you have to kill them before that. So, you know, like, bringing all these, like, sort of old school hits, like, almost, of, like, Nehiri the Harbinger and Pile of Mana Docks into into just like blood moon i think you know that catches a lot of people off guard because they're no longer it's no longer at the forefront of their conscience yeah ab absolutely um and then you know it last kind of thing that you know on the sideboard you know you see you've got all these wishboard uh silver bullets type thing and then you know you've got the the veil of summer to essentially uh protect your your combo if your opponent's trying to say you know thought seize or fatal push uh you you kind of off of it uh or if they're just you know a control deck and trying to, to counter those those important spells right like it's it's just such an effective and efficient spell um that you know it's can't really go go wrong with it and then the the madcap experiment into platinum imperion which is uh which is quite nice you know it's pretty much there so if you're yeah against prowess decks um burn decks uh sometimes other um Creature decks, depending if they don't have much, uh, you know, interaction to deal with that. So, like, you know, humans does have Reflector Mage and stuff like that. So I wouldn't really bring it in against them. Uh, but say against Bant Spirits, that's, like, not really going to be able to deal with an eight-mana creature unless it's Path Exile. Um, you know, it might be able to buy me enough time uh, to, to do the kind of thing that I need to do. Um, so... It, you know, it's quite nice kind of just sliding that in uh, against some some burn decks when you're like, right, okay, you know, my, my blood moons aren't good, 
Um, so, you know, let's, let's bring those out and let's bring some madcap experiments in and a platinum empyrean. The, the trouble with that is that, uh, you know, if you're bringing it in, you kind of have to be okay with hitting the empyrean off of the Luca. Um, if you're not okay with hitting the empyrean off the Luca, then, you know, don't really bring it in. Cause you just, you just want to rely on, on having that early Emrakul, uh, cause that's just going to win you so, so many games. Mm -hmm. I think against uh, Prowess in particular, yeah. like a Platinum Imperium might as well be an Emrakul. Like, th there's no possible, especially if you're not expecting it, like if you're not boarding a braid against your blind when you've got no main deck yeah. targets. Like, there's just, like that's, it, it might, oh, it's almost exactly. better than Emrakul. Like, it's, it's as good, it's insane. But yeah, I, to I totally get what you mean there. All right, so... Yeah, they... they yeah, go on, go, go on, no, go on. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, so... I was going to say, they, they, pretty much need, they pretty much need to have a... Um, uh the soul scar mage to deal with it um just so they can minus one minus one minus one counter on it but like yeah other than that they're not really answering it sorry <laughs> cool all right so i think in general you've you've explained the deck quite well like i understand it at a different level now like you've you is is turn three the earliest that you can get out emrakul based on or is is there any yeah, other sort unfortunately, of i I've tried uh, squeezing the gemstone caverns in, but uh, hasn't uh, hasn't been quite as consistent. I, as I just it. wanted to like gauge where we are from like an overall point of view. So like the earliest you can get it, you can get Emrakul out is turn three. But in general, you're playing this sort of rush to um, four mana, drop drop a decent planeswalker, and then you've got all these sort of silver bullets, as you were saying, to counter what is a really quite diverse metagame um, that we were talking about. Um, and and th this sort of leads me on to like a bit of a direct question for you, Sam. Like, did you, did you see like a hole in the metagame that you could plug and you just thought this fits in or was there some sort of other inspiration for the deck? Uh to to be honest, I I wish I could be like, yeah, it was some big brain metagame call. No, to to be honest, like I I just I kind of want to just have some fun, play something different. Uh, I figured it would be quite strong just because it is, like, it's a fairly consistent, and you you've got a lot of redundant plays in terms of all the different mana dorks that just kind of lead into okay, planeswalker. Like, let's just try to grind and kind of uh, make use of that. Um, you know, I figured Blood Moon was going to be quite good. Um, I didn't really expect to, um, for it to be as consistent as it is. Cause to, to be honest, actually, you know, I'm actually been playing this deck a, a fair amount now. Um, just one, it's, it's quite quick, uh, to play and it, it does execute its, its game plan quite, quite well. Um, but, uh, no, it's a little bit more just something like, let's play some, let's play something fun. Let's, you know, have some fun with some super friends, play a lot of planeswalkers. That's always a, a, a fun thing to do. Uh, but then it was like, yeah, okay, this is, this is actually quite good. Um, and you know, end up, you know, trying to, trying to tweak it a bit more to, to really target the metagame a little bit more with that. So. Yeah, cool. Um, have I, either of Jude or Isaac had an opportunity to play the deck or like see it in action? Uh, I've not, uh, seen, I've not actually played the deck, but I have watched a couple videos on the deck. I watched, um, the uh dropping bombs video when he covered it yeah we'll we'll link that article uh so that people can sort of see the 
see Sam's deck list and see what Corey Baumeister Baumeister is that right? Winner Dropping bounds. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, what what he thought of the deck and his analysis. But um, so the next the next question that I kind of wanted to ask you, Sam, was was what what was your deck building process like as you were going through it? Did it just sort of come together? simply or or, uh, or the multiple iterations of it uh absolutely so uh initially it didn't have the karn package uh initially it was just kind of like ray okay let's play luca this feels like blood moon kind of fits we'll play some chandra to to kind of find it and that sort of thing um i did see i i, I was kind of playing around this idea um someone else has done this where it's like you play those three mana uh adventure creatures as kind of like your your like interaction stuff so you pretty much play like um bone crusher giant and uh um you know uh, i'm blanking on them the like gi- giant Warrior killer and stuff like so, that yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but essentially you play those as kind of some interaction and then those will be your your kind of three mana dude that you then exile with luca to get emrakul i thought that was quite cool um but then you know i was like well i want to play something fun and just you know kind of have um some planeswalkers in there uh initially nahiri was in the list and i did try i did try doing like four color because oath of nissa when you have an oath of nissa on the field you feel like a god you're like my mana <laughs> is insane just casting planeswalkers here you're like i you know four four color is not a problem i was playing teferi time raveler for a bit um, just cause I was like, well, you know, I don't want my spells getting counseled, like countered and you can, you can bounce your opponent's stuff, bounce an oath of Nyssa. Like that felt quite good. Um, so, you know, I did, I was trying to do some different things there. I did try uh, Gideon of the trials as well, uh, for some kind of anti aggro stuff, anti combo, uh, as well as he does turn himself into a creature. So you can, you know, you can exile that, um, and you know, then find Emrakul. So it's, you know, I was looking for neat things that I could do like that. Um, and then kind of great career, you know, like this just feels like a good fit. Like, um, for me, I, I do play a lot of Eldrazi Tron. So, uh, since, you know, he got printed, it was essentially like, right. Okay. This is, you know, this is kind of the best version of the deck. Um, you know, plant being able to, to find all these, these hate pieces, uh, so for me, I'm already quite comfortable playing a wishboard. Um, so when it was like, okay, let's try him out and see kind of if he can, you know, make use of this extra mana and be this kind of backup plan. Um, and he, you know, he does a, a, a pretty good job. Uh, cause you know, if your opponent goes, well, graph diggers cage, turn on graph diggers cage, it's like, well, yeah, you can't get your Emrakul. pool. Well, Karn can turn that into a creature and then, you know, walking ballista it or Chandra it or, you know, a sky sovereign it like there's. There's so many different things that he can then deal with your opponent's hate pieces that I feel like that's where really he really starts to shine uh, and, and pull some weight there. Um, and in terms of, you know, if you've got a fast enough start, if you, you can just prison your opponent out, mm-hmm. like, you know, okay, you got to turn to Karn, um, you know, get a liquid mail code and get a transfer, like just slow your opponent down, you know, lock him out of the game, essentially. You don't even have to Emrakul. So it's uh you know he just he he gives just a completely different angle of attack and especially against say Tron decks um you know he's he's fantastic for shutting off kind of their their artifacts and and keeping them off off Tron as well so uh, um, yeah, just, uh, a number of different variations but 
Yeah. Yeah. From an, from an outside perspective, dude, as someone's like engaged in modern, I know you play Jund, which is, you know, quite a reactive deck. Um, do, do you think there's any sort of like sideboard cards that would be good here? Like, because just looking at it from, you know, my perspective, it's like, what do I board in here? And it's obviously very dependent on what you're playing. But, you know, like, if you're scared of Blood Moon and you bring in Disenchance, then, you know, you, you've just put a bunch of bad cards in your deck almost because then the counter is yeah. really good against you so it's like in your opinion what like if you, if you get matched up against this on say jund or another strategy that's you know not necessarily trying to just kill faster than sam is how do you think how do you think you sideboard against this deck yeah. effectively because i haven't got a clue to be honest well yeah i mean it, it does seem like quite a tough deck to sideboard against with a lot of the plans like khan is pretty good at like just um tearing all tearing down different sideboard plans for against it. I mean, on Jund, like, if you get the turn two Blood Moon, there is nothing really I can do. I mean, the plan against Blood Moon decks is just to try fetch for basics as soon as I can. Like, pray. on game two and three, if I get there. Yeah, just pray. <laughs> like, I don't... Normally, Jund doesn't really have any sideboard plans for decks like this that I can think of. Like, you just kind of have to hope on your uh, hand attack spells. I'd like, have to, like, maybe mulligan a bit more for them like because if i can uh position our thoughts these away the blood moon i'm i've kind of got to stay but then again it's like you've still then got turn three emerald to worry about like there's just so many like angles that they can attack fair decks from it, it's quite tough so um I get the feeling that you think that like this disruption of the plan might be the best way to go, and it, probably your best uh, idea. Yeah, yeah. I I think as as someone like as kind of the the pilot of, of the deck, I think that yeah, like when my opponent is going, uh, you know, turn one thoughtsies, turn two bolt or fatal push. Um, it does start to really, you know, hurt the resources that you're pulling out. I mean, it's a it's a 20 land deck. Um, you're really trying to to utilize your your mana dorks and um, and you know that that sort of thing to to get out those those fast cards. Um, yeah. So, you know that that is quite, you know, it, it is a, a flaw of the deck. I think that getting those that early disruption is can be quite tough. Um, it. It is pretty good at, you know, taking a mulligan to six or five, yeah. um, sometimes four. But, like, if I'm taking a mulligan to five and my opponent goes Thoughtseize and then pushes something, it it's going to be quite tough for me to battle back, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. um, the Blood Moon plan is definitely still good. It's only three mana, right? So it's not not too bad. Usually if I'm against a, a very interactive deck like Jund, I'm going to try to play Utopia Sprawl first rather than yes. a mana dork just so it doesn't get you know pushed off or bolted or something um but yeah it's like i think that those that is a, a good plan against this deck is just kind of having some hand disruptions yeah creature disruptions as well or, or just damage spells mm-hmm. i think looking at it i think like the only other potential crease i can sort of see is um if there was something like splinter twin maybe like there's a healy combo where there's like there's like you have to have one piece of interaction and then a way to immediately kill you because or something like infect that can race because it has the potential turn two draws and that it has very, very consistent turn three draws, and it's more of a dice roll. But outside of that, like, you know, fair, fair decks like 
blue-white control, for example, there might be a force of negation in your first planeswalker, but they've not really accomplished anything there because there's another one coming and, you know, they've already yeah. lost that attrition war. And then as soon as you, if you resolve a Khan or, you know, if you resolve any of the four mana planeswalkers or even Luca, it's pretty much lights out and such a high density of them that, you know, that, that angle is not really a good one. So, you know, split it to him was still about, then it might be a different conversation. But right now, I, you know, like the, the disruption's fine. But even then, like... You know, looking at this, it looks like it'd be, you know, 45-55 against the Disruption rather than like, you know, 70-30 in favour of the Disruptive deck. It, you know, it looks very, like it has a lot of flat matchups, or if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I do think, it, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's definitely, it's still in favour of the uh, Disruptive deck, but I think it is, it's a little bit closer than, yeah. Uh, then yeah, you might initially think, I think, looking at the, the jankiness of the list, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I I just wanted to point out that I found it quite interesting that you were able to sort of run this on 20 lands, like you said, and have so many sort of four mana, five mana, and I know you're not ever really going to cast Emrakul, (laughs) (laughs) but like you've got quite a big top end in this deck, right? And I know that you're trying to get there very fast, but just... Is there any like point you'd want to make about the fact that you have put in 20 lands and you've kept it to that amount? Uh, yeah, so I have tried trimming to 19. I have tried swapping like the second Temple Garden for a prize and canopy to try to have like a can land in there. So I mean, I'm just like, right, late game I can draw. Um, but really, I mean, 20 lands has, has seems to be the, the kind of consistent number. Um, it's, you know, really, I, I don't really want to be hitting more than four lands in a game. Uh, but I do still need to be hitting my land drops. But, you know, you do, you'll have classic turns where you're just like turn one mad orc, turn two, play three more mad orcs, and you're effectively, you know, with your land drop on turn three, you're effectively like, right, I've got Tron, I've got seven mana <laughs> turn three. Like, you know, get get at me, right? Uh, with a blood moon, like get wrecked, right? Uh, it's just, um, there, there's lots of different... Um, you know, things like that. But I think that really like the oath of Nyssa uh, uh, has really been kind of MVP um, in terms of, you know, if I've got a one land hand that say has two or three dorks in it, I might be a little bit hesitant to take it. But if it's got oath of Nyssa, like I know that that's just, it's that little bit of extra, like I'm most likely to find a land with this, develop my man- mana base a little bit more. It's kind of that little like backup plan if that dork um, plan A goes awry, I guess. Yeah. Okay. I I think I'm I'm getting to grips with the the deck a lot more like hearing you talk about it, which is good. Um, but I I just wanted to sort of ask you if so. Let me clarify first. I think did you go to a a PTQ and got top top yeah. na- sorry ninth. Uh oh, sorry for for with this deck in, in the challenge. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. It, it, sorry. Uh, Twelve. Tw- 12th place in uh, MTGO challenge. I think there was, I think there was like 112 people or 120 people on uh, that day or something. So it was, you know, it was a, it was a decent number. It was a pretty mid-sized challenge, I think. Yeah, yeah. So like top 12 is like good for a deck that's maybe maybe there's been similar archetypes around, but this is like a, a more refined version. And you know, congrats yeah. for, for doing that. Um, but I I just wanted to ask you like. Was that was that a metagame call, or, or was it because you 
you genuinely believe like this this set this archetype has has legs and is going to stay in the in 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 the meta game uh so i i do legitimately think this deck has legs uh i do think it is actually quite a strong deck i'm, I'm consistently getting four ones in in modern leagues um you know i i did manage to get a 5-0 recently um I did get 5-0 with a, an older previous version of, of this deck, but that was a little, little while ago. Um, but yeah, it's, it does seem like a good deck. Obviously, you know, I'm not going to say it's like tier one or anything. Like there's lots of very established, refined decks. Um, so, you know, I'm definitely not, not in that aspect. But, um, you know, this, this deck is, is very, very capable of, uh, you know, getting 5-0s, winning an FNM, um, you know, doing doing well in in a challenge, right? Um, with that too, like I mean, there's, you know, I, I do think that uh, if more people, you know, gave it a, gave it a little bit of a chance, tried, you know, giving their their hand at it type thing, it could, you know, maybe see a little bit more refinement, maybe some some better sideboard tech and that sort of thing, or you know, anyways, the kind of deck development process uh, as it goes um but yeah like for that for that challenge specifically i do remember like i played the deck a, a fair amount um up to that and i kind of thought like you know like this is a, like this is a strong deck like if i just play like there's a lot of games where you just win off the back of a blood moon. you're like yeah this isn't even i'm not even really doing that strong things i'm like playing a turn for a change of torch of defiance but like yeah my blood moon is just locking my opponent out um and you know there's it will get you enough time to set up and, and do your thing. But then you've also just got that, like, right, my opponent might not see my full game plan game one. And then game two might not be prepared for that turn three Emrakul or, or even Blood Moon or whatever uh, type thing. Like, I just think that there's so many, there's so many different strong, just kind of shut off cards um, that, you know, you're, you're able to kind of pull through in a, a variety of different situations that I do, I do think that it, it does have, has some serious legs for sure. Um, whether it's, uh, you know, tier two or three or whatever, hey, who knows, but, uh, that, that don't know, it, it's done all right. It's done all right for me. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> to be, to be honest, I, I do, I do actually think you're being quite humble. Like I, I've, I've quickly looked at the deck again and, and I've seen a five off from the 23rd by a completely different player. Uh, I'm not even sure if you're aware oh, really? of that, but like, yeah, a, a big Tom Tom, no. big Tom Tom 79, whoever he is, he he went five and <laughs> in a modern league on the 23rd with it, and he, he's only I think from the looks of it, he's changed like two cards and it's sideboard slots. Um, so you know, like I, I, like people are cutting on now, especially with Corey's article and Corey saying he's going to pick it up and refine it. Like you know, people do understand what the deck's doing now. But <laughs> even you know, no way, like that's it. <laughs> yeah, no, like that's that ball starting a roll, that's which it. means clearly there's something there. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and on top of yeah, that, yeah. it's sort of like you know, oftentimes when that happens, a deck loses some percentage points because it's now a known quantity, but. You know, if I was playing a tournament with open deck list and I and I saw this, I'd be like, "What? You know what I mean? Like, what do I do here? Like, what's my plan? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like, because because ultimately here, it's it's one of those decks. It feels like like it feels like Tron to me. It's it's very different, but it just feels similar. Where it's like, you know, you, there's no side magic sideboard answer. Like, you've got to have a game plan that's naturally good against it. Like against Tron, for example, you need to have that clock. And some pressure on the mana base. You can't just do one or the other. Otherwise, you will just get tronned. Yeah. It's similar to that. Like, you know, you can't just sideboard for a specific plan. Like, 
for Tron, if they sideboard against the Blood Moons, then the cards will get them. Uh, if you're a fair deck, if you sideboard to kill all the Mana Dorks, then eventually you know, you'll just draw enough lands because you've got Oath of Nyssa and enough Churn, and you'll you'll stick a Planeswalker, and then that'll get them, like, you know. So, I, yeah. but honestly, like, looking at it, and obviously, like, I know you, you're my friend, like, we've, put, we, we've played together before, so I am probably a little bit biased, <laughs> but, you know, like, the, the evidence is showing it, like, people are starting to pick this up, and the more people refine it, and the more, the, like, little small changes that people make, like, you know, absolutely, it'll have some sticking power, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think, it, I think it's uh, capable of, you know, flowing around a little bit, flowing around, that's, that's sweet, yeah, I got that list up now, that's... Uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, I think there's definitely some bits in there that, like, you know, like the Far Veil of Summer. Like, ultimately, you know, Far Veil, yeah, yeah. Witchbane Orb. Mm-hmm. I, d- I do think the Far Veil yeah. is probably like a big, a big gainer against Jun, for example. Like, you know, the, the matchups oh, where they are sure. going to attack your hand, kill the dogs. So, like that card is just lights out against them. Do you, do you have a, do you have a comment on that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, obviously, Veil of Summer is quite good against the uh, the interaction we're trying to uh, use. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. Currently, I'm I'm running three in my in my sideboard. Um, you know, I was like, you know, it is it is quite a good card, and it uh, you don't mind hitting two of them. Um, you know, I definitely it's when it's good, it's good, and it's if not, it's just going to draw you that card, right? Um, so yeah, no, that's uh, not surprised to see that. So that's quite quite good. And yeah, I did. I did spring that on you. By the way, I just discovered that live on air. Like I did. I didn't like. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't yeah, save yeah, that. That's awesome. Man. I just discovered it. Yeah, it's, it's sweet, man. Like I'm so happy people are trying this out because, you know, like there's lots of things yeah. in modern that are flashes in the pan where it's like, you know, the, like there'll be like a deck one week where people are like are all on board with it, and the next week people go, oh, actually, yeah, we know we could beat that. We just put like one sideboard slot in, and then you know we're fine. But you know, things like Hammer Time come to mind, or it's like people go, oh, yeah, it's just a flash of the pan, and then everyone ignores it, and then, you know, suddenly it's fourth, fifth most played deck. It's, like, yeah. it can quite easily happen. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm hoping this happens because, honestly, like, for me, this is this is the kind of deck that if I was going to make a return to the format, I would consider, like, you know, because it, it, it's ultimately <laughs> it's a fair deck for modern. Like, you know, it's not trying to, like, it, it, I know it's like an absurd statement That worries to make, me. But, like, with, with yeah, regards to yeah. how modern <laughs> is, like... <laughs> You know, like he is doing unfair things, but every deck in modern sort of needs that as a flaw. And, you know, when that doesn't happen, you are just playing like Khan, which is like a toolboxy card advantage engine. Um, Shandra Torture yeah. Defiance in modern is hilarious to me. Like, you know, it shouldn't fit, but it just it, does fit so well. It's so good. Like the mana ramp, the digging, the removal, and just being that late game finisher is just like it, it just does everything. God's uh, incredible. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's been, it's good. So this is this is more of an open question to everyone, but like it it pertains to this specific choice as well uh, for you, for you, Sam, on on this twelfth place finish. Like, yeah, w- when when we're all building decks, like what what's the what's the goal? Are you like trying to are you trying to break the format that you're building into, or are you trying to just like you know build something fun and cool that's your own deck? Anyone else want to start? Dude, maybe. I mean, normally my my deck choices is just whatever is a good mid-range deck because I'm not particularly um, good at thinking of my own ideas for decks. Like, I might have a basis, but most of the time, like, mid-range decks are pretty self-explanatory. Like, with Jund, you kind of get a few uh, choices of your own with the sideboard and the main deck. Like, I love... 
uh, like uh, like the um, what's his name? Oh, now? Master um, of the Fells. Hum- yeah, Master yeah, of the Fells. Like I'm always gonna have, yeah, yeah. I'm always gonna have one of him in the sideboard of junk cards play. But uh, other than that, I don't really brew my own decks. Um, so for me, like most of my deck creation, like in, in modern, I was very much a, you know, tune kind of thing. So it'd be like, oh yeah, you know, elves is fairly good. So I'll put one wrath of God and cut a supreme verdict so that the regeneration of Azuri don't work. Things like that. I think I'm fairly decent at like making those little tweaks to make improvements and create those little efficiencies. Um, a lot of my deck building when I get like a lot of momentum going is usually in standard and ultimately, you know, it'll be transferable to other formats if I played them, but it's identifying a strategy that I deem to be good. So, you know, I'm not, for example, with this one, if I, if I had built this deck, it probably would have started from something like, oh, you know, I believe, um, Luca is undervalued right now. Let's try and find out the best way to abuse that or something like that. You start from a big macro idea and then you've sort of just got to refine it down into like, you know, what's the best shell for it? How many slots do I have to dedicate to this strategy to, make, to for it still to be efficient enough to be there? Um, in, in general, I think I've gotten a lot better at not just sticking to a single archetype. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of it is looking at already what already exists and what things I think are undervalued and trying to like create edges that way. I think um, Judo vouched me with this. Um, I think uh, when Judas playing Abzan in standard, like oftentimes, you know, it'd give me a deck and I'd, I'd say like, oh, put one of these in. Like, for example, yeah. June Blast. Put one June Blast in. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, oh, yeah. little tweaks like that where, you know, that that absolutely would absolutely change your matchup and cost me a game by telling you to put a June Blast yeah, in. Yeah, well, well then, uh, didn't I beat you in the top eight of the game day? Yeah, you beat me in the finals of game day, that one additional Doom Blast, yeah. But, you know, like, <laughs> I, I think I think that's, you know, keeping that whole card pull in mind and understanding what's going on, like, either for me, it'll be those slight tweaks or it'll be a big, big macro thing where I'm like, I believe this to be good. Let's iterate on this. Yeah. I think I'm I'm quite similar. Like for for this one, uh, it definitely was like you know yeah I think Luca into em- into Emrakul with Bloodmoon as a backup plan, just kind of using dorks. Like you know I was like that that's kind of the big idea. Let's let's run with that. What can we do with that? Um, for other decks that I go to build, like typically I'm like right okay what am I gonna enjoy playing? What's gonna be fun? Um, and that sort of thing. I do, I, I really enjoy creature decks. Like most of my things are, are either going to be tribal decks like elves, humans, spirits, Eldrazi, whatever. Um, but you know, I've got some, some fun decks. I've got a processor deck for pioneer as well as a soul flare deck. Like that's, you know, some, some good fun. But, uh, I think really if I'm, if I'm feeling like brewing and I'm going to be working with like from the ground up, it's going to be, a, I'll, you know, I'll try to come up with something of my own, even if it doesn't really stick, or I'll be trying to mishmash like two decks together. Um, right. And I'm, you know, I'm definitely pulling a lot of different ideas together with, with this one for sure. Um, so I think for me, it's kind of, yeah, trying to, you know, yeah, looking at what else is out there, seeing what, what we can do and, and kind of maybe mix together. Um, you know, there doesn't always have to be like, uh, you know, a, a brand new card printed that's like, oh, all of a sudden this, I can do this now, right? Like there is, there's no um, new card from the newest set that was like, yeah, you know, we can do this now. I mean, Luca is still quite new, um, but ultimately it was just kind of, all right, well, you know, Blood Moon and 
in the corner. <laughs> I think you can answer that question as well, mate, because I actually think your process is very interesting yeah. um, and no, actually, no, 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 actually I, very different because you're a newer player. Like, I think, you know, we, we've talked about this before briefly, but I think as old school players, we have like a lot of assumed knowledge. And I think the way that you build decks and refine decks is actually really interesting. I don't think you give yourself enough credit for that, to be honest. Well, well, yeah, I play by myself quite a lot, so it's difficult to uh, get that. But um, I've been saying since Luca came out that this this guy can break every single format he's in, um, essentially, and he did break standard. And I, I've been looking at him since since uh, this deck got brought to my attention. I've been looking at him in standard to try and see if if there is a if there is a way to break him, and I've not really made any um, headway. But for for me, genuinely, like the way the way I look at format is i'm trying to break it because i, I want to win so if i can find something that's abusable and other people aren't on that spot then you know you can essentially you can demolish people just because you've got a you've got a tactic that they're not ready for and uh, is very powerful um, but like in in general with with my approach to cards like it, it comes from a, it comes from a it comes from two separate sections. So one one's macro that you were talking about, Isaac. So if you if you look at if you think about an idea, so a Luke as an idea, for example, you can you can use him to get cheat out a ridiculous card. Um, so from that perspective, you may you may have an idea that like might be a combo, it might just be an archetype, um, and then generally where most of my decks come from is micro. So I look at individual cards. And if the individual card level, like if the power level of that card isn't high enough, it goes in the bin. Yeah. And and that is like, that's it. Like yeah. it changes a little bit with, with like sideboard because obviously you're looking for different sort of, you're looking for different uh, attributes because you want them to, like we've spoke a lot about hate cards, which I think are a little bit more prevalent in modern than they are in, in some other formats, but. Um, sure. the attributes you're looking for for cyborg cards are different but like the standard 60 or 80 that we're seeing now in, in <laughs> <laughs> the standards like for me it's like if this, if this card isn't on rate and it's not powerful enough itself then I won't then I tend I tend to uh, put it to the like bin unless it's got unless it's got a massive amount of synergy with a lot of the other cards in the deck um that tends to be my process at least uh i think a good example of that like just sort of illustrate to people is um harry's sort of the first person i've seen cut Torbrand from on our red and try and find different ways around that deck so adding opportunistic dragons when i was grinding that for a while harry was like try opportunistic dragon and i'm like eh like what's he on about i'm like give it a go and i'm like no actually this is this you know like i understand tarbrand's really good when you're ahead but opportunistic dragon's insane when you're behind and you know mono red already plays well from a front foot so and tuning one drops as well in mono red like i think harry's a, a very good tinkerer trying to understand like those little eking out advantages as well um so i think you know as you sort of like try your formats out i think you know you're definitely going to be very very good at modern to be a good one but obviously the card pulls a big barrier to entry but that's point. that's one of the issues i think for modern in general and like the, the card pool and the mechanics like just 
having to understand all these different interactions and knowing a card, what it actually does inside out is quite difficult. But then knowing what all these cards do and how they interact is like, I mean, it's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely one of those things that I think pays pays more dividends over time, right? Because you're, uh, you know, the, the more you play the format, the more you get to see it develop and change index, you know, be flashes and pans and, and tick up in popularity and, and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you, you know, I mean, I, you know, when you think about really like magic in general, right, like trying to get someone else like into it, it's kind of like, right, well, you know, they're, they're learning the, the game mechanics, but they're also trying to remember like, what? okay, this card does this and this card, does this, but there's thousands of cards, right? So it's yeah, like, yeah. all right, like learn it, learn a deck. Like that's a good starting point and then kind of go from there. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Like it's, it's, you're, you're absolutely right. Like it's definitely, it's, it's an intimidating one uh, to get, to get to, to, to start for sure. Um, but I do, I do think that that's uh, I do personally, I think it's worth the, the, the effort but um you know so just just the last thing that i wanted to discuss on on this deck in particular like in on moonwalkers which is its name officially now because you've said so um rock and roll is like um, i took that from another another list so that's not my that's not my all right my, fair enough well it's it's your call anyway but um yeah like the matchups so why why is it like positioned well and and like what what uh, archetypes or right. decks sorry do you do you want to see in in um tournaments or whatever uh so if i match against mill i'm laughing because i'm playing main main board emrakul um that's just like a given uh if i'm against amulet or uh like a, a you know four color deck uh even sometimes like uh you know shadow decks or just um uh you know, Tron, Blue White Control, I don't really mind playing it. So it's a deck where really uh, Blood Moon is really going to shine, um, or is quite nice. I don't like playing against Dredge because um, they, they can be quite quick. And unless I'm really getting a Karn uh, to, you know, get get a hate piece, I'm, I'm you know, I'm kind of relying on that that early Emrakul just because of how fast their draws are. Um, and really they don't, they don't care about blood moon. They're, mm-hmm. they're not really casting their threats and the, the spells that they are playing are, are typically red. Um, so, I mean, you know, they do have life from the loam, but, uh, you know, other than that, it's like cathartic reunion and the ox and conflagrate and all this stuff. Right. So, um, for me, yeah, it's, it's really, you know, it's kind of beating up on, on those decks, like, uh, Bant Snowblade's another pretty good one. Uh, as much as I don't like to say it, like. Uh, Eldrazi Tron and Bant Spirits also get beat up pretty well by this, just by the Blood Moon factor. Uh, Eldrazi Tron does also have Chalice of the Void, which is pretty good hate uh, against this deck, but, you know, Karn can just plus one it and it goes away. So um, that's, you know, that's always good fun. So uh, really, yeah, it's just, you know, those decks that are not playing, not playing a lot of basics um, and, and you know, really not, not prepared with um, permanent, like, bounce effects like uh like jace or teferi or detention sphere that sort of thing right um things that are um going to get around emrakul's protection from all colored spells um those sorts of effects are a little bit a little bit tougher to deal with but um you know you've got so many dorks that typically like even a liliana the veil usually i've got a dork to sacrifice if i've got an emrakul on board 
Um, you know, not all the time, obviously, but you know, mo- most of the time I t- typically do. So yeah, um, cool. Yeah, so any deck that plays not law basics. And, <laughs> and the uh, bad matchups, like what do you not want to see? Yeah, uh, so Dredge, uh, the Healy Company is is tough, but like you know, an early Emrakul can definitely still to, still do it. Um, the uh, other bad matchups, like yeah, if it's uh, you know Jund, Jund, I'm still not happy to see it, right? Like it's like okay, I'm bringing in my veils, but you know, ultimately it's like yeah, I know you're gonna be destroying my permanents uh you know attacking my hand uh it's 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 gonna be tough right like i'm gonna need to to have a decent hand to to be able to play through that um kind of have that attrition so um you know if it kind of almost it it can be a little bit play draw dependent where you know my opponent's on a fair deck and they've got that disruption uh but you know sometimes i'm i'm on the play and i've got the blood moon and, and they don't get to play their disruption so um <laughs> it, it definitely it does it does just try to take kind of full advantage of that and just just playing playing fairly unfair <laughs> <laughs> that's what we like um with, um, regards, yeah, to, exactly. with regards to the helio company matchup i'm not sure like if you've got any strong opinions on it but i think personally like yep. for me that would that would be the first like if i'm talking about modern now like if i had to have something to plan for which is already always very hard because like you say it's seven percent but helio company sort of that deck where it's like if nothing's in about it then it's a huge problem um so do you think the potential to open up some sideboard slots for it maybe for like a veil of summer-esque card or you know do you think it's just I probably worth so. chalking it and you know yeah. saying it's a write-off so um it's hard. It's hard. Like I've I've started testing out uh, a breed a little bit as well in the sideboard, uh, just because that's been a pretty good one. Taking out like Prowess's early creatures, being able to take care of some of the Helia combo uh, creatures that are on the field, uh, even against Storm, it's also pretty good. Um, you know, Con Great Carrier does pull some good weight in terms of shutting off the the actual like I'll kill you combo with Walking Ballista, just because then they can't activate their artifact abilities. Um, but you know, the Infant Life can be can be tough, but if I'm just able to to get through with Annihilator six uh, repeatedly with Emrakul, that's also gonna you know pull some weight <laughs> as well. Um, but ultimately, like, I'm sure there's definitely you know some some sweet sideboard cards I could I could put in to get um, you know some more percentage points in that matchup. Uh, currently, it is quite tight with keeping the Karn board. Um, it is definitely something that I think helps the deck fight from matchup to matchup and not just be the the kind of one trick pony of of shoving Emrakul onto the field uh, definitely kind of helps it it have a, a plan B and C um, to to carry out each game um, but yeah like w- whether it's worth it or not um, I I don't know um, it it's so it's so hard to say like it's just I think that their deck is just so versatile and they also have so many angles of attack that shutting off their uh, their game plans can be quite tough because they can just be a, a solid creature value deck that just ends up beating you down, um, you know, with with buffed up creatures and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, so um, it's tough, but like, yeah, I'm definitely sure that there there are better uh, pieces that I could use to more directly target that matchup. Uh, yeah, it's, it's always so, yeah, a I'm trying to trying to brew some some more stuff mm-hmm. with that. 
But yeah, sorry. sorry. It's, it's all good. It's, just, it's like, a, I was going to say, it's always a struggle in modern to try and like hit that balance because there's some matchups where it's like, it's actively beneficial for you to completely ignore them and pretend like they don't exist because there's no amount of, like, so for me with Blue White and uh, Tron, I think um, I had a few discussions with Jude when we were going to play the Team GP and it's just like, look, like I can put a bunch of Andillion clicks in the sideboard or whatever cards like this, but it's not, odds are it's not going to be enough. So I think the best bet is to just completely yeah. ignore that it exists and just play like spell snares and things that are going to be good in matchups that I'm actively like playing against. So yeah, I, I think um, for sure that might, that might be an approach as well. Like ultimately just like dig deeper into what the deck's good at and ignore what it's not good at. And you know, it's a bit counterintuitive, but in modern, you know, it's 7% of the meta. Like you might not even see it for weeks on end. So yeah yeah for sure for sure all right so i've only got, i've only got two questions left for like the the general thing um so but almost wrapping up but just wanted to ask like all of you essentially like your opinions on the deck like going forward it's longevity like do you think this is gonna really stick around and like benefit from from the tweaks that we've been talking about or do you think it'll sort of fall off over time well i'll go first one uh well over time like i don't know how modern is gonna settle i feel like modern is kind of settling as it is right now and uh but as uh, some was saying like there's a good variety of decks so i feel like this deck can definitely slot itself into the meta somewhere like it's got enough good matchups where it's going to steal some wins. Like, unless someone was saying he's getting consistent foreign ones in modern challenges. So there's clearly some like validity to the deck there. And the Heliod combo deck definitely looks like it's, it's going to be a popular deck. Um, but I can definitely see an argument for other decks like, uh, death shadow decks up there. And, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah, I think that, uh, I agree with Jude. I think that it, there, there will be kind of a spot for this to, to slide into the metagame. Um, I don't think it's really going to be a, a top contender just cause you know, it is, it is a, a, a clunky deck, right? Like you're, you're playing 21 drops and then, you know, no two drops really just blood moon as a three drop. And then you go into to four drops, right? So like, it is quite, quite you know uh clunky like that but at the same time too like when you play it like it it does it curves out quite quite nicely just because of how efficient all your your mad works are and that sort of thing um but you know i mean i i wouldn't be surprised if this was just like flash in the pan type thing but i do think that it it does have uh legit legs to actually stand on and, and hold itself uh at, at some point in the metagame mm -hmm. um where where it settles is you know who, who knows <laughs> yeah i think um i think from my perspective like from you know i've done a brief bit of modern research like looking into this um and you know i personally like ju just you know everything aside like i do like when formats have a focal point and if helo company becomes a focal point then you might think oh it's really bad for this deck because like we discussed it can be a bit problematic but ultimately i think it's a good answer to the next stage so 
this deck is positioned to beat up on the decks that will beat up on Heliod Company, if that makes sense. So, you know, like, it's it's very strange and backwards, but I kind of, like, it's one of those things where it's like, you're kind of praying for the format to homogenize a little bit. Because if it does sort of get a bit more clumped at the top, then, you know, with Khan, you can change two sideboard cards and gain, like, 10% against the field. And, you know, like, if if it does clump up and it does homogenize, then, you know, things like, should I keep um, Madcap Experiment in the sideboard? Like, those answers become very clear and you you can gain those slots back, things like that. Um, So for me, like... From a from a macro sort of understanding of the format and where it might be going, um, you know, I I don't see why you know this won't be a good sticking point. Like Emrakul's always been around, Blood Moon sort of waxes and wanes, but it's always present and it always has those matchups where it's good. And you know, Can's Can's been you know one of the most powerful cards in the format since it's been printed in general. From you know what I've seen, so you know it, it just does a lot of you know my modern rules of just doing you know has a really unfair game plan and the fair game's good as well so you know i i think you know as more people play it and as those uh, sideboard slots get changed and tweet with and we see all the possible options and outcomes i i see no reason why yeah. you know it can't be at the very least like you know a top 10 deck one that you expect to see one that you know you test against at least yeah, yeah, cool. For sure. It's very, it's very cool that you've added added this deck to the format, man. Congrats yeah, on you. that. Um, okay, it feels good. So just, just as like a, a final sort of question, um, if you were going to play a modern deck at a tournament, like this is everybody, including myself, and I'm going to answer <laughs> at the end. Um, <laughs> what would, what would you play this weekend? I mean, obvious choice for me, I'd, I'd just be playing Junk. Like, I, I, I love the deck. Like, no matter, I've been through, like, when it's been good, when it's been bad, like, the, the deck just always performs for me because, you know, it's got a pretty consistent game plan. It knows what it wants to do and it does it well. Uh, any specific card choices that you, you know, like I know you have like some rules and laws of Jun that you stick to and you could write a whole book on yeah. it, but like well, anything I, in particular? Well, I'd, I'd never drop below. I'd never uh, cut uh, a single Lily. Liliana would stay at four copies always. Um, and then Red and Six is another one. I think minimum I always want three copies of that card. Mm-hmm. And it's just... But um, other than that, like you, you've got your mainstays of like Thoughtseize, Inquisition. You need those interactions because that's what the the decks that's what the deck wants to do. Awesome, Sam. Do you want to go next? Yeah. I think I think you have a uh, you have a wide yeah, range, don't yeah. you? So. <laughs> I, I do. I definitely have a, a lot of decks in my arsenal. Um, I I think for me, like typically, it's always like a last minute decision between either Eldrazi Tron or this Moonwalker's deck. Uh, personally, I, I have just been playing a lot of this deck, so I think I, I would probably pick this again. Um, it just it it feels strong. It just feels like you know every time I think about playing Eldrazi Charm, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, Chalice on one is really good. Slamming some turn two or turn three Thought Not Series, that's good, you know. But I'm like, man, but like turn two Blood Moon, turn three Emrakul, you know, how can you say no? <laughs> So yeah, might might have to might have to take this, but I might still be riding the high. Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I um. So for me, I I know what I definitely wouldn't play. I wouldn't play blue white control. Um, <laughs> but um, honestly, like you know, looking at the format, I think it'd be one of two decks. So you know, I, I would you know, if it's a testing process, I don't just have to pick right now. I'd probably look at Heliod Company, try and see how complex that is to play, see if I can learn all the lines and all the you know opportunities. Um, I have played things 
things like that similar in the past to it. So, you know, maybe give that a quick once over. Um, if not, I might play Jun Death Shadow, but I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not just saying this because you're here, like looking at this list, like I said, it only looks <laughs> like it has, you know, very niche, awful, it has one matchup that we might be considered bad. But other than that, you know, it's all very flat and you are doing something unfair. So I probably, probably would give that a look and, you know, failing all that, probably play something daft like Infect that you can just kill people on turn two. Absolutely. Yeah, so this is now probably the deck in modern that I know the most about. <laughs> so <laughs> the, there's a chance I, that I'd play this to give you a shout out, but there's two others that I'd consider. One burn because I know how it works and you just smash people's faces and that's fun. Um, and then two, I'd, I'd maybe think about playing one of the tribal decks like spirits or humans because like, I miss tribals, man. You don't get to play them anywhere else, really. Yeah. Like I, I've, they've always been like half tribals in in standard when I've been playing. They've not quite been there, and people have tried to make them work. And then I think vampires had its like day in the sun for a very small amount yeah. of time, but then it fell off a cliff because of Dante Vanguard rotated out and stuff. So yeah. I think <laughs> I'd be I'd be tempted to play uh, one of the tribal decks just because. Tribal's cool. Yeah, and hum um, humans is always good, man. Humans is never awful. Yeah. Humans, uh, elves is quite doing quite well now mm -hmm. as well. That new uh, Realm Walker has helped a lot with that. That's a good uh, card. That um, been trying yeah. to uh, trying to fix the um, tribal issues in standard with with the shapeshifters, but it's not really worked. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, that's fair. So, is there anything else that? Anybody else, anybody wants to say on 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 this topic in general, like modern or or this deck? Yeah, I think um you know just for just for a brief close, I think it'd be good to sort of end on uh, where everyone sees the format going. I know um you know Modern Horizons Two is coming out. That's you know last time that was a big massive it's scary. Yeah, yeah, it's it's scary, <laughs> but at the same time, like you know, I, personally, this is going to be a bit of a controversial statement, but you know, after all the bans, I I actually think Modern's a better place for it. Like having cards like Force of Negation and Giver of Runes and even Red and Six, like you know, oh, it, yeah, six. exactly. Yeah. So like, can lands, yeah, giving giving the format access to yeah. cards like that, like you know, it opens up doors. Like you know, these creature based combo decks and blue control gets a little bit better. Um, so you know, we'll definitely have you guys on to talk about that when that sort of gets spoiled, and maybe do a bit of like a speculation episode on that, but. You know, in general, um, you know, just sort of discuss where you think the format's going, if it's going to homogenize and the potential effect of, you know, that set. Uh, right now, I think the uh, the format is uh, in quite a good place. Like, there's a lot of uh, options in terms of decks, and I don't think the right now, without any additional cards, the, the format is going to homogenize that much because I don't think there is anything that is that, uh, like, powerful or that broken in a sense like if you look at each archetype there is a good deck to play like you've got a decent control deck, you've got a, a decent combo deck you've got a good aggro deck you've got good mid-range decks so i think right now there's a there's a path uh, you can take with any deck sweet absolutely uh yeah i i agree with that i think that uh yeah currently it just seems like it's it seems like it's kind of settling down it doesn't seem like uh things are homogenizing too much it does seem like a lot of good variety of flavors even kind of within uh each of these archetypes so that, that's quite good um it will be interesting to see what what modern horizons 2 does 
Uh, hopefully, we don't have too many haymakers, kind of like we did last time. Um, but yeah, it, like I have to say that you know I agree. I think there's a lot of good tools that we got. Um, whether it's hate pieces like the um, uh, that minus one minus one dude, I'm blanking on his name right. Oh now. yeah, plague engineer. Uh, plague engineer. Plague engineer. Plague engineer and like collector oof. Right. Like those are like, you know, those are good cards. Those are nice to, to have in the format. So if we get some more uh, kind of useful tools like that, I'll be be quite happy. Um, you know, if we if we see some, some other broken cards, we'll, we'll, we'll probably see some more bands. But, uh, you know, whenever they're trying to, to match cards that to this power level, like you're you're going to kind of have that. Right. Because you're, you're shooting for the this kind of you know, this power level point, right. And you're going to, you're going to overshoot a bit. You're going to undershoot a bit. And that's just kind of hoping for the best, but I think they're uh, probably going to, probably going to expect some bands after the Modern Horizons format. I would, I would expect. Mm. Um, Awesome. All right, cool. Well, I think, I think that's a good sort of spot to end on Isaac. If if you, if you've got anything else to add, like, uh, no, I don't think so. Um, just, you know, stay tuned for potential Modern Horizons episodes because I, d- I definitely want to cover that, you know, especially yeah, yeah. especially if this deck gets any tools, you know. We, I think we've got the go-to guy with regards to what this deck, you know, could add to it. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely come back with some more Modern episodes because it's always really informative to, you know, have people that are, you know, ex- former experts on, so we'll definitely do that. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you know, that's about everything. So th- thanks a lot for coming on, guys. Really appreciate it. I think, thanks um, for having us. I think it's been awesome. really... Yeah, really insightful. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, just seconded. Like, cheers for coming on. I've I've learned a lot, so hopefully it'll be useful for other people as well. And I, I hope you guys will come back on and talk about something similar. But yeah, this has been episode three of Tormenting Voice. Cheers, guys. Awesome. Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys.